Straight out of the beautiful Sonoran Desert in Arizona, it's the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast for space cadets. Playing with the Queen of Hearts, knowing it ain't really smart, Medicare expert Doug Jones. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us for another thrill-packed episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. If you were listening to our last episode, you heard an abbreviated introduction. That doesn't mean I'm going to increase the length of this introduction, but I do want to encourage you to, if you're considering a Medicare enrollment in your future, Uh, To purchase my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man, the current edition is 2023, so what you want to do is go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com in the search window, type in Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023 to get the most current edition, and you will be able to acquire for a very reasonable price all of the Medicare knowledge one would need in order to have an excellent encounter with Medicare, to feel confident that you understand what the program's all about, what the ramifications of potential mistakes would be. You can avoid the the potential mistakes like late enrollment and that sort of thing. And if you need assistance, you are cordially invited to contact me. My contact information is in the book. And what I love to do best is to assist people through this Medicare process. So uh, I would suggest that you buy the book, that you read the book, and then when you're ready a few months before your your encounter with Medicare, and that could be your 65th birthday coming up, or it could be your retirement from a a job uh, at age uh, 70, 80, even 90. And uh, when you leave that job and you leave your employer's health insurance plan, that's when you and I should powwow about the finishing touches of your Medicare protection. And you will be a happy camper, starting with the book, ending with uh, my personal intervention and some of your uh, excess coverages. And it will be a wonderful thing that uh, Medicare will uh, perform for you. It'll protect you from financial disaster, and it'll uh, give you the confidence to go through life without worrying about what's going to happen. So anyway, I am uh, sitting here talking with my friend Randy Carson, who is uh, always on the control side of the studio. Randy, it's a pleasure to see you today. Looks like you're sitting outside in your back. Looks like you're sitting outside in your backyard, but I know that's a damn lie. It is. It's a damn lie. It's a big damn lie. And, you know, ultimately, I use this background for just about every podcast that i participate in and everybody goes oh my god where where is that it's my backyard oh and then they <laughs> clam up because they're so because a lot of the people i do podcasts with are back in the midwest and they've got snow up to their eyeballs and yes. i'm going yeah i don't even you know i go oh yeah it's then i then i bring out my you know my whine about you know arizona freezing you know that yes one? oh sure when it's 60 degrees it's miserably cold they, they just don't care about it at, you know, beyond that point, when I bring out the Arizona freezing wine, they just don't care about it. 
Well, as you're aware, Mary and I were back in Illinois for about a month. And when we got there, it was shorts weather. It was 85 degrees every day. It was beautiful. And then it deteriorated until Halloween. And we had an obligation to attend friends Halloween party. The friends wanted to be uh, close to where the trick-or-treaters would arrive at their house. So they had the party in their garage with open garage doors. And um, it was maybe the coldest I've been in decades. All the Illinois people seem to be fine. Mary and I were, were our feet were like clubs that we, you know, they were so, so frozen after standing on the, and it snowed. So the temperature was about 31 degrees. The ground was covered with snow and the, um, the uh, recovery was very slow from that. It was just the kind of thing that, that tormented us. So I know what you go through when it's chilly here in Arizona, that is Illinois freezing and it's, there's just no reason to be there. So we hopped so, in the car and drove right at, right back out here. So, so let me clarify that, Doug. You were having a Halloween party in an open garage at 31 degrees. They had a bonfire in a fire pit kind of thing on their driveway. I think they expected everybody to huddle around that bonfire. But they had also rented a couple of space heaters, and I huddled around one space heater. In fact, I hugged it. And uh, Randy Norris's wife, uh, you may have listened to Randy Norris during our last episode. His wife said, well, you know, you can't just stand there hugging that space heater all night. And I said, oh, yes, I can. Oh, yes. Watch me. Watch me. I'll get (laughs) even closer. I'll be sitting on it here shortly. So the host finally went and got some quilts. And Mary and Mrs. Norris were both wrapped up in quilts. Randy had some kind of survival thing. It looked like a uh, a sleeping bag. It took two guys to get him into it and get him out of it again. But it had a a hood. And uh, I don't know. It was all... Uh, it was very elaborate, much more elaborate than a regular sleeping bag. I didn't have anything but my sweater and my blue jean jacket on. So I hugged that space heater for as long as they would let me. So you ultimately, you toughed it out, but yeah. you also tried to counteract a bit of that cold with uh, what, just a bit of beer? Oh, just a bit. Uh, just a, as big a bit as I could handle <laughs> because that was the only thing. And in fact, beer is not tasty unless it's cold. So I don't think I was doing myself any favors by drinking cold beer, but eventually my tolerance for the freezing cold snowy Halloween, uh, was probably heightened because of that. Well, yeah, I know. I, I totally understand it. Just, you know, I'm sitting here shivering, just thinking about standing uh-huh. in an open garage at 31 degrees. Well, our host and his wife are going to come visit us in January, and they are looking forward to getting out of the Midwest. Now, it's going to be, for you and I, it's probably going to be a little chilly in January around here. Uh, but for them, it'll be a paradise because the sun's going to be out, most likely. Uh, it won't be, uh, you know, the, the high is probably going to be approaching 70 on a good day. And so they'll think they've died and gone to heaven. And so but I'm... in the In the nighttime... It will dip below what? Arizona freezing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, there's there's fault to be found everywhere you could live. And I guess uh, that that's wintertime is our cross to bear. And uh, it will end at some point. It'll be spring and we will uh, rejoice again. At least I like I told like I told you the other day, I, I have to take my kids out at night, my pups. 
Yep. Out at night, at least once, sometimes twice. And now that it's cooled down in the evening, mm-hmm. I literally, I literally dress up. It takes me five minutes to get ready to go out. I used to just be able to run out. Sure. And they did their job. Now I have to get prepared. And so literally by the time I get outside, I look like Nanook of the North. Well, I wish I had taken a video of Randy Norris and his uh, his uh, survival <laughs> thing. I don't know what to call it. It looks like and it operates kind of like a sleeping bag, but it was it has all kinds of accoutrement. And this may be what you need that the uh, pups will, uh, you know, they'll frolic in the in the Arizona freezing weather, but this would protect you. Uh, it's a it's a wondrous device that you couldn't walk in. You can't get out of it by yourself from what I saw. I don't know what it I, is, though. I don't know what it, I, I have some ideas uh, as to what it may be, and I'll, I'll do some research on that. But I was I was talking to Margaret the other day, you know, as I was preparing my Nanook of the North Arizona uh-huh. freezing, take the kids yep. out outfit. Yep. I, I asked her, I said, do you happen to know where my stocking caps are at? And my <laughs> wife looked at me and goes, you're sick. I said, no, I'm cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, she doesn't have a lot of sympathy for you. I'm sure that my wife would be the same way. Uh, fortunately, I don't have anybody I have to let out. When it's cold outside, I'm huddled in, and uh, we flip the switch, and the fireplace comes on, and that's uh, an instant mood brightener uh, oh, yeah. for me. But yeah. I will say that you've mentioned Nanook of the North more than once. Uh, I had an occasion to see that movie a couple of years ago. It was on yeah something uh, netflix or something and uh it it is one weird ass movie let me tell you i yeah. recommend that people uh check it out it's it, there's no sound to it so it's i believe there's narration i'm not sure the narration was done at the same time that the movie was made but um it was it's largely silent and it shows this eskimo going about his duties uh building an igloo and uh uh you know mushing dogs across the tundra and stuff like that uh they spent about a half an hour of the movie watching a uh, uh herd of walruses take a nap and they carefully wow. explain well the interesting thing is that one walrus always stays awake to keep an eye out for danger that might approach and so you could see which one was awake. His head was looking around. All It was like humans. It was kind of weird. There's always one walrus that stays awake. That's what they said. Now, I don't know. This is 1920s uh, animal <laughs> husbandry. It may be that that's not entirely accurate, but it was oh, fascinating dear. to me. Well, you know, I've used that term for a long time, Nanook of the North. Yes, you I, have. I didn't know that it, what it was related to. Well, if you want to see some naked Eskimo ladies, and uh, that's the movie to watch. Were they blue? They, they, they were inside their igloo, so I think they were quite comfortable. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I definitely am going to check that out now. So anyway, as the as the nominal producer. Yep, yep, yep. You're going to crack I'm gonna the have to. I'm going to have to move us on. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that you are of agreement that we do that. Yes, let's do that. Let's get to work here and uh, give the audience their money's worth. Because God forbid that we have to give any refunds to anybody. So no, I I hate refunds. I, I you know over the course of the five thousand episodes we've done, uh-huh. uh, you know we've been approached for some refunds, and I, I I use the same technique that they use up at the Buffalo Chip, which in, is uh, in Cave Creek. There's a big sign on the wall 
that says uh, customer service department, 40 miles that way. Ah, yes. Well, good for you. Uh, this is why we're still able to afford the 75 cents every episode to, to <laughs> pay the piper. But anyway, last episode, we had a single subject, and that was an interview with an old friend of mine, and I enjoyed having him join us. This episode, I've got a collection of things, and so let me tear into them. First things first, we've got a question from a, a person who is thinking about becoming a client. And she's got a question. Her name is Carol. And she wrote me uh, and she said, I've read your book and I've listened to your podcast. Both fun, by the way. Oh, boy, that endeared me to her right, you know, right off the bat. She says, I have atrial fibrillation and I've got congestive heart failure. For now, that means I see a cardiologist twice a year and have an echocardiogram once a year. And then two blood tests in a lab a year, two tests a year. I realize things can change. I'll be signing up for Medicare next year, and I'm attracted to plan high deductible G, HDG. She said, I'm attracted to that plan, but I think I couldn't pass the health questions to change plans later on. And what she's saying is that she could start out with high deductible plan G, but if her health deteriorates and she needs more treatment, she would want to go to the more, much more expensive plan G. And she said, I don't think I could pass the health questions to make that change later on. And that scares me. It makes me think that I should choose the peace of mind of regular plan G. Does my diagnosis lead you to think that regular plan G is my best bet? Thanks for your advice, and I really do appreciate your book and your podcast. Well, Carol, thank you for listening and for uh, those kind words. So here's the deal. Here's what I wrote to her. Let's see if my answer makes any sense. I don't know where you are. I don't know what uh, part of the country she's in, but in most parts of the United States, it's likely that the extra amount at risk with the high deductible plan G is not nearly as large as you might think. In my opinion, the proper way to calculate your risk with a high deductible plan G is to subtract your annual savings with the lower premium rates from what the government has dictated the high deductible to be in that year. Now, let me explain that. This year, 2024, the year coming up, uh, the high deductible amount is $2,800. And a lot of the dopes that are involved in Medicare supplement marketing would never, never sell a high deductible plan G for two reasons. First of all, they say, who wants to sell a product that has a $2,800 deductible? And the second reason is the premium is so low that I can't make any money when I sell that product. So those are two reasons why most agents will never even talk to you about high deductible plans. But I say... Take the premium savings, regular plan G with the uh, full coverage is a lot more expensive. High deductible plan G has a much, much lower premium. So if you subtract that premium savings from the $2,800 deductible, you're going to find that your deductible amount is much closer to $1,000, maybe $1,500. And in some states, like on the East Coast in New York, for instance, you're going to find that the savings exceeds the risk. So your savings might be $3,000 and your risk might only be $2,800, 
Well, there you go. You make a profit every year, whether you have big medical expenses or no medical expenses. Taking the high deductible plan G in a situation like that is a no-brainer. In any event, I I go on with my answer to uh, Carol. Over the course of years, the trend is for Plan G premium to have increases much larger and much more frequent than the high deductible Plan G. This means that the extra amount you will have to spend in the event of a very expensive medical treatment is shrinking. By the time you're 80 or so, the likelihood is that you will still be enjoying very low rates and the in the event of an expensive year, the extra cost will only amount to maybe a couple of hundred dollars, if that. In good years, you will save that much every month. This is why I encourage people to at least consider the high deductible plan G during the decision process. I cannot measure a person's risk aversion level or their desire for peace of mind, but I know that most people do not want to throw money away unnecessarily on high insurance premiums when they can enjoy a low premium and maybe sock away some of the difference, some of the savings against the possibility of a big insurance claim somewhere down the road. And finally, I wrapped it up by saying I hope this clarifies things at least a little bit. It's great to know that you're listening to the podcast and enjoying it. Don't hesitate to write again if I can help further. And this is a a concept that I've lived with all of my insurance career. How do you convince people to take a larger uh, share of the risk on themselves in order to save a bunch of money? Because many of the people that are in this audience that, that should have high deductible plan G are never going to have a problem. Uh, They're going to be able to enjoy the low premiums. And if they need medical treatment uh, as life goes on, the uh, risk level from high deductible plan G shrinks because if they take the expensive plan instead, that's going to get more and more and more expensive. So high deductible plan G is uh, what I think is going to be the appropriate plan for almost everybody. And now we turn to um, our favorite Southern Belle, uh, Tony, with an I, because she's a girl. And uh, that that always puts a smile on Randy's face. Um, She had a um, question and answer session in one of her recent, uh, I guess it was a a column, maybe a newspaper column. But I thought this was apropos and easy to uh, uh, share with the audience. And so basically the title of this little article is five things you need to know about Medicare supplement plans. And this is all according to Tony King. Uh, She says, okay, number one, changing your Medicare supplement plan is not limited to the annual enrollment period. Contrary to popular belief, you can change your Medicare supplement plan at any time of the year. The annual enrollment period, which we're in right now, runs from October 15th to December 7th, uh, primarily applies to changing Medicare Advantage plans or prescription drug plans. So if you're facing rate increases or need a different Medicare supplement plan, do not wait for AEP because you can do that anytime. The problem is in almost every jurisdiction in the country, you're going to have to fill out a health questionnaire to show the new company that you uh, are in relatively good health. It's not as intense as one might worry about, but it's, you know, generally speaking, they want to make sure that you're not uh, knocking on death's door uh, because they will not accept you into the new plan. 
So it's always best to make that move. If you're going to make a move from one company to another or one Medicare supplement plan to another, it's always better to make that move before something bad happens. Randy and I have a mutual friend, and I helped her make that improvement. She went from regular Plan G at something like $365 a month to high deductible Plan G, and she can never have a year with high medical bills where she won't be saving a ton of money compared to what her plan G was costing her before. So that was the right thing for her to do. And I'll bet there's a lot of audience listener or members out there who are in the same boat. Their, their deduct or their F their plan F that they've had for years may be so expensive that there's no way that they could lose money. Even if they had massive medical expenses, when they take plan high deductible G um, it's possible that they'll never ever have a, uh, a year where they have to kick in any extra money. So number two on this list of five things you need to know about Medicare supplement plans, plan F rates are skyrocketing. And this is just what I was talking about. Plan F was the precursor to plan G. It was the best plan there was up until 2020. It was um, comprehensive. You never had to pay any extra uh, cost sharing or anything like that. But when the law changed and new people were not allowed to buy Plan F starting in 2020, then the rates for Plan F started going up quickly. And if you have a Plan F and you're in pretty good health, now is the time to think about getting out. Contact me and I'll send you a health questionnaire and we'll get you out of that hugely expensive Plan F and into a much more reasonably priced Plan G, or I'm hoping plan high deductible G. But the explanation for number two says, since the Medicare Access and CHIP Reauthorization Act, which was called MACRA, was passed in 2015, the rates for Plan F have been increasing significantly. This is because Congress aimed to control costs by slowly phasing out Plan F. This means that people already on Part A of Medicare before January 1st of 2020 can enroll in Plan F. But those who turn 65 after 2020 cannot. The best they can do is Plan G. And once again, I encourage people to consider high deductible Plan G because it will have smaller and less frequent rate increases as time goes by. So number three, consider Plan G or N as alternatives. If you're facing rate increases and want to switch from Plan F, you have other options. Plan G offers lower rates compared to Plan F. But the only difference is uh, being that it doesn't cover the Part B deductible, which in next year, 2024, that deductible is $240. On the other hand, Plan N is designed to resemble Medicare Advantage plans with co-pays for doctor visits and emergency room visits. However, Plan N does not cover Part B excess charges. Well, the whole thing is that, in my view, Plan N is a good plan, and I would never, if somebody came to me and said, I want to buy Plan N, I would never turn them down. I would say, okay, good choice. But I would suggest that uh, since Plan G is the more expensive rate, uh, plan available now, and Plan N is somewhat less expensive than Plan G, that's a good thing. But the least expensive of all is going to be your high deductible Plan G. And I believe that that would be the choice for most people to save the most amount of money in their uh, Medicare supplement uh, premium cost. Number four, 
Evaluate underwriting requirements. When considering a change in your Medicare supplement plan, keep in mind that different plans have different underwriting questions. If you or your spouse have pre-existing health conditions like cancer or heart issues, you'll need to ensure that you qualify for the new plan. Answer the underwriting questions honestly to determine eligibility. Number five, don't cancel your existing plan until you get approved. If you decide to switch to a new Medicare supplement plan, be cautious not to cancel your existing plan before getting approved for the new one. It's essential to maintain coverage until you're certain that your new plan is in place and meets your needs. Canceling prematurely could leave you without coverage and potentially without approval for the new plan. So just uh, some hints from Tony, and that's Tony with an I. I spell Doug with a G because I'm a guy, but Tony spells her name with an I. Should I enroll in Medicare when I'm turning 65 and still working? This is a perennial question. I haven't been able to figure out how to state it so succinctly in the book that everybody who reads the book has a clear understanding. They all still ask this question. So I don't know that it can be stated well enough, and uh, I'm just going to be used to answering it forever. But here it is again. Should I enroll in Medicare when turning 65 and still working? I am turning 65 soon and working full-time with employer benefits. I'm receiving conflicting information from friends and coworkers regarding enrolling in Medicare. Some say to enroll only in Part A, while others say to enroll in Medicare Parts A and B. Please explain how the rules, uh, please explain the rules for how to apply for Medicare when turning 65. And here's the answer. Uh, enrolling in Medicare can be confusing. Most people think that when they turn 65, a magical switch is turned on and poof, you're on Medicare. Medicare changed the rules during the Clinton administration when Social Security extended the time for receiving 100% of your Social Security benefit. So turning 65 and receiving your Social Security check, um, let's see, this is one of the situations. Here are the steps to enrolling in Medicare. Let's suppose that you're turning 65 and you're already on Social Security. You should receive your Welcome to Medicare kit in the mail with your Medicare card 90 days prior to turning 65. If you're not working full-time with employer benefits or if you're covered by your spouse's employer benefits when turning 65, please do not return your Medicare card because you do not want to pay for Medicare Part B. This can cause you to receive the infamous Part B late enrollment penalty. So let's say you're turning 65 and not receiving Social Security. If you're not getting a Social Security check, no automatic welcome to Medicare kit will be sent to you. You must enroll in Medicare Parts A, B, and D to keep from receiving a late enrollment penalty. You must enroll in Medicare online at www.ssa.gov slash Medicare at least 90 days prior to turning 65. I don't say at least 90 days. You can you can cut that time period down. I wouldn't do it any more than 90 days prior to turning your uh, turning 65. So anyway, uh, you can enroll online for Medicare Parts A and B to begin, and then you uh, can go to somebody like Doug Jones for advice about your Part D drug plan and your Medicare supplement. So let's suppose you're turning 65 and still working full time. Um, 
working full-time or contract labor with individual health insurance, then you should enroll in Medicare Parts A, B, and D when you're turning 65. That's with individual health insurance, not with an employer's plan. Uh, If you have employer benefits, uh, then Medicare allows you to delay your Medicare enrollment uh, when you're working or your spouse is working full-time and has employer benefits and not retirement benefits. This means um, one of you, either you or your spouse, are actively at work. So when you're still working, that's uh, Medicare's buzzwords for delaying your enrollment in Medicare Part B so you don't have to pay for it if you're already covered by your employer's health insurance plan. If you're 65 or older and there are 20 or more employees where you work uh, or where the spouse works, then uh, uh, your group insurance will pay first. And so you're you're going to be fully protected, and there's no reason to enroll in Part B of Medicare and pay that premium until you're ready to leave the plan to retire. If you're 65 or older and there are fewer than 20 employees where you or the spouse are working, then uh, generally Medicare pays first. Your HR department or you should verify with the insurance carrier as to how the current health insurance plan coordinates with Medicare to determine whether you should enroll in Medicare Parts A and or B or should delay enrollment for Medicare. Um, Now, if you enroll in Medicare after age 65 and you have employer benefits, uh, when you're ready to enroll after delaying your Medicare Part B due to working full-time with employer health plans, have your HR department fill out and sign form CMS-L564. The title of that form is Request for Employment Information. Basically what it is by signing it, your HR people or your employer uh, is verifying that you are covered by the employer's plan and therefore you don't get a late enrollment penalty for enrolling in Medicare, Part B of Medicare. Also, you're going to need a form CMS-40B. That's 40B. And that is the application for enrollment in Medicare. And so uh, in uh, question number 12, you can state which month you want your Medicare Part B to start. And it's always going to be starting on the first of a month. Uh, Take your forms to your specific Social Security office, either in person or fax them to enroll in Medicare Part B. I say my clients, I tell to uh, go online and uh, start the process. And then they explain to you during that part of the enrollment process how they want you to handle those two forms. And um, let's see, remember to write special enrollment period across the top of each form to avoid receiving the famous Medicare Part B penalty. None of my clients have ever gotten the penalty if they're enrolling with the proper form. So I'm not sure that writing special enrollment period is necessary, but it never hurts. It's being safe rather than sorry. So I'm sure that some people are still going to be confused. Not everybody is going to hear this. So I'll be explaining until the cows come home um, what the rules are for enrolling in Medicare when you have employer benefits, but that's okay. I don't mind doing it at all. Randy, I'm looking at the uh, timer. I'm guessing that the crickets probably all <laughs> dropped over dead because we've over, uh, over uh, we've exceeded our time limit that we agreed on. You know what happens when that happens? Well, the 75 cents is gone, so we got to go home then, right? <laughs> 
Well, next time we only get 70 cents. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I, maybe I should liberalize that a little bit. Yeah, give me, Lo- give me a, just a little bit of leeway. Lo- loosen up the purse strings a little. Maybe it's time. Yeah, ex- I agree. I agree. Well, you know something? We have heard the cr- We have heard the crickets. So yeah. we need to uh, land the plane. We have a couple things that I always like to do before we do. Land the plane, bring the train into the station. But grab your pencil. If you want to reach out to Doug, you can do that at the email address of dbj at mlmmailbag.com. That's dbj at mlmmailbag.com. Don't forget, Doug is licensed nationwide to help you with your Medicare supplement planning. Check us out at the website, medicareforthelazyman.com. We would appreciate it if you could find a place or two to give us some reviews. It's all about the numbers in our business. You can review the books. You can review the podcast. You can review the website. You can do just about anything you want to do, but see if you can help us out. We'd appreciate it. Last but certainly not least, thank you for joining us. You could have been 100 different places doing at least 95 different things, and you weren't. You chose to spend a little bit of time with us on Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. And if you weren't checking your watch, we just spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance guy from Oklahoma. No more. He is living in the high ground behind Cave Creek, Arizona. And, you know, he just came in from the Midwest, So, but I, I can't let him get by with it. We are in the high altitudes today. I, I got to tell you. I think I charted him in at about 12,500 feet. Boy, I'm going to need that oxygen tank. Well, thank you so much, Randy. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. I'll be looking forward to seeing your bright, smiling faces in our next episode. Bye-bye.